Would you recommend being a veterinarian or a veterinary technician to a high schooler today? This week, we're going to try to answer that question, talk about the optimistic view and maybe the pessimistic view of the future of our profession. This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And most of us, veterinary professionals that is, have been approached by a high school or by a college student, hey, I'd like to be a veterinarian or a veterinary technician. What do you think about that? The answer that we give is often predicated on our perspectives, and this week we're going to talk about the variety of answers that maybe come out of our mouths. But before we get into that conversation, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, this conversation came out of us sort of looking back at our career and the people that influenced us. And both of us sort of had experiences where someone in the profession that we looked up to as a mentor, as someone we aspire to be like, told us, hey, are you really sure you want to do this? <laughs> and so, Becky, you know, I think that today in 2021, we often look back and certainly, you know, I've been around a while. So I'm looking back almost 40 years. And of course, that answer was, you don't want to be a vet. Don't do this, Ernie. You're too smart. Go into human medicine. Do anything else. Don't become a vet. <laughs> and I think sometimes we say, well, it's better now. It's different now. But Becky, are people answering that question differently today in 2021 than when I was a high schooler way back in the 80s? Yeah, I think they are, honestly. Um, it's funny because if we look at the different generations of veterinary professionals, they are very different. And we are seeing a shift toward work-life balance and, you know, financial security and, um, you know, financial planning that I think didn't used to be there. But I know statistically what we hear is that most people in the veterinary profession would not recommend it. And that's, I guess that's pretty heartbreaking. Yeah. In fact, even amongst veterinarians, when asked in an AVMA survey a few years back, would you recommend going into this profession to your own children? The majority said no. Now, Becky, I like that you started out with generational differences because I think that bears some discussion. Now, the people I were, was asking back when the, in the 80s, when I was a high schooler, were definite boomers, right? So they had kind of seen the rise of small animal practice. And again, uh, viewfinders, as you know, I, I come from a rural background, but I only really have worked in small animal practice uh, with a few little dalliances here and there in, in large animal. But, you know, so I'm talking to boomers who didn't really see the financial rewards uh, and, and quite frankly had even gone through the 80s and uh, the late 70s where there were some severe recessionary times. And so they were telling me without any hesitation, don't do this. Okay, Becky? So that's a boomer. Now, when people are asking me as a Gen Xer, I'm giving a slightly different answer, which we'll get to in just a minute, viewfinders. But Becky, what do you think that that generational impact really is? You mentioned it, but like from a vet tech perspective, because I mean, think about it. If when I was in you know, high school working in practice, we didn't really have registered technicians back then. I think the biggest shift that I'm seeing that is kind of amazing and great to see is veterinary technicians 
kind of moving out from underneath veterinarians and saying we are our own profession, you know, and I gosh, I've been saying this for four years, right? We're not a consolation prize. This is our profession and we're finding more entrepreneurial opportunities. We're finding more ownership and management opportunities and elevating ourselves as a profession. um, The best that we can sort of, um, I'll say under the thumb in a lot of cases legally. Right. But I do see this generation of technicians seeing themselves as their own professionals, where I do feel like some of the techs that I know that have been around a little longer have, I don't want to say a higher level of respect for veterinarians, but maybe don't see themselves on equal playing fields, where I think a lot of us coming out of school more recently are saying, yeah, I mean, we're we're each our own pillar here and we all are important. That is so important. That is a really profound observation, Becky. And so if you think about it, I think this also has a generational foundation because, Becky, your your profession, by and large, came about with my generation, Gen Xers, right? I mean, that's it really came about during that time period. Uh, and so back, the boomers, the, the, the vet techs that, quite frankly, were, were grandfathered in, right? Becky, they'd been working for 20 years, and then this registered, certified vet tech thing comes along. They were allowing them to now become RVT, CVT, LVT type stuff. And so now, you know, they had a different relationship. You're right. And suddenly, if you fast forward to today's millennial veterinary technicians, and part of this issue is is the fact that the, the laws haven't caught up. I mean, honestly, they the practice acts need to be completely reworked in my opinion, as far as what techs can do. But so now you've got this millennial generation of veterinary technicians like yourself, and you're going, hey, we're just we're just part of the team here. We're not like trying to be a vet. We didn't want to be a vet. We actually see ourselves as a separate entity. So let us do something. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, we try not to draw these lines and, and pit one against each other, right? But in even in just what you said, right, you said veterinarians, let technicians have their RVT, right, CVT, right. right? And it's like, no, nope, we created our profession. We were needed. And I think it's that idea of veterinarians let us have our privileges. That is the big problem here. And, you know, even when you look at veterinary boards, the majority of them are made up of all veterinarians, maybe one technician. Um, they'll be lucky if they have voting rights. And that is completely... Um, unequal skills when we're considering of the contributions in the clinic. And uh, it truly looks like a way of kind of keeping a profession corralled. And um, I think more and more of us are sort of busting out of that. And, you know, uh, the unionization movement has had a lot to do with that in the sense of of giving technicians protection of their profession independent of veterinarians. Yeah, that is a lot to unpack there, but you're, you're absolutely right. It's <laughs> like, it's like we, again, as I mentioned, I think that the practice acts are, are, are so outdated and outmoded that they just haven't kept up with the needs of today's practice. And like you said, you know, you guys are shouldering a lot of the clinical responsibilities today that once were only exclusively shouldered by the veterinarian and we've got to catch up. So again, I'm completely in support of us reevaluating the practice acts, opening up a little more, kind of following just like on the human medical profession saying, look, there's probably a role for a physician's assistant and, and nurses should be able to do more things, right? I mean, that's what I, th- I think we're quickly moving towards. And, and the fact that you aren't represented enough, you know, in voting, uh, voting 
powers, so to speak, in these practice uh, boards. Wow, Becky, that's really frustrating. It's got to be frustrating. But getting back to the question, so how does that influence the answer that you would give that young high schooler who comes to you and says, Becky, I'm thinking about becoming a vet tech. What do you think? You know, I usually tell the first thing I say is why, like why? Sure. Because if you say I love animals or you know anything like that, get a pet. I'm like, right? <laughs> right. I'm like, nope, that ain't it. Um, and and it's great to love animals, absolutely, sure. right? But this is not what our profession is made up of. It's just loving animals. You, I mean, you really have to love medicine, and you really have to love care and education and a lot of different things. So for me, I I think my first question is why? And then my second question is, or, you know, my advice, I guess, then at that point is it's a wonderful profession. It's an amazing profession. Um, Be prepared to fight for your rights. It's it's not an easy road ahead of you. Um, And we have a lot of attrition, I think, for that reason, because people don't really feel the the need or the desire or the value to fight. And so they kind of just leave the profession because I think it's easier for vet techs to leave the profession than veterinarians. I think I posed a question back to you though, because I know I just feel like so much more frequently veterinarians are born veterinarians. And so it's when you're talking to somebody in high school or early college and they're saying, Hey, I want to be a veterinarian. What do you think you could potentially be crushing a lifelong dream? Yeah. And and that's where I, like you, I say, tell me why, because, you know, if, if I look back at my history and I do, I firmly believe that I was born this, it's really all I've ever known. It's all I've ever wanted to do, you know? Uh, but I, I would, I want to see those, those stories that they've always sought out animals. They've always had animals. They've always cared for animals. They've always just surrounded and immersed themselves in something to do with animals. Now, there are exceptions to this because there are people that live in urban areas and areas where they don't have access. But, you know, again, you can you can really start to see that passion. You know, you, you can see it in those, those young eyes as they glimmer and light up whenever they talk about, you know, animals and the relationship. But that why is so important. And Becky, one of the things that, that I get personally frustrated with is you know so so the high schooler is a great time to ask that question you know i love that question what i get concerned about is the junior in college you know and they're like yeah. you know i haven't really figured out what i want to do yet so i i found out about veterinary medicine and it seems like a good fit i've always liked animals and that's you know that's when it's like okay the first bit of advice if you're asking that in that scenario and you're listening today or or, or approached in this situation i would say tell these people to get as much experience as possible. You know, this, this these requirements for some of these schools to apply, Becky, where they have like 40 hours of volunteer work in a vet clinic, that's going to be a misalignment with uh, the reality of a veterinarian, veterinarian, right? I mean, you, know, you, you really need to try to get as much experience as possible because there are a lot of, of super positive things about being a vet, but there are also a lot of challenges. Same thing for vet techs, right? I mean, you know, there's a lot of good. But getting back to your, you know, I love that you said why, because that's going to guide the rest of that conversation. Like you, if they come back and say, well, I love animals. How, how do you love animals? What does that mean to you? Right. You know, oh, well, I've always had dogs. You know, my parents always had cats, things like that. It's like, eh, OK, you know, let's really get in there and, and experience what it's like as much as you can um, so that you have some expectation going in. The other thing, too, Becky, like you said, is there are people that that have always said, I wanted to be a veterinarian, but they never actually did it or worked in it or had any exposure to it. And again, you know, you're. It, it's sort of like 
thinking you're going to love the next James Bond movie. Like I'm a big James Bond fan, right? You know, and, yeah. and we, it has been delayed, but you know, you're like, you just, you're building up, building up, building up. I'm going to love, 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 love. And then what happens when the next James Bond movie is a flop, right? I mean, you know, when it just, it's just not a great movie. And, and again, I'm trying to use some example to show you that you just think you're going to love it. You always love it. You always have loved it. But what happens when it doesn't meet your expectations? That probably made very little sense for you finders. I apologize, but hey, I'm working on it. No, I think it makes all the sense. And I've actually had that conversation before, right? I've said that as as a veterinary technician, one thing that seems really stands out to me is what happens when you have invested all this time? It's been your lifelong dream. You, now you have all this debt. And I think that is a lot of times where suicide, depression, like there doesn't feel like an out because it's your whole life. And I think technicians have it a little bit maybe easier that way in the sense that we don't have as much debt. We don't have as much time into it. And I I think we all grow up wanting to work with animals in some way or another, but I don't think at least most of us knew what a veterinary technician was as a kid. I think that's like, so now my nieces grow up knowing the difference between a veterinarian and a veterinary technician because they're my nieces. Um, And more often what I do is when I run into somebody who wants to be a veterinarian, I say, well, have you heard of a veterinary technician? (laughs) (laughs) And I even used to go to NC State when I was teaching and go to the pre-vet club and do a conversation, have a conversation with them about veterinary technicians because we know that most of them won't get into vet school and they'll be looking for alternatives. So um, for me, I think being over, over being a veterinarian, I do recommend being a vet tech. But again, you have to kind of choose what it is you want to do. And that's where that why comes in, right? Right. But what we, the bigger point here is most people are not recommending this profession or or the studies are showing that. And we have to look at why, like, what is that? And we know it's debt, you know, work-life value, da, 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 all those things. For, I think more for veterinarians, for technicians, we know this is about utilization, not being able to make ends meet. And honestly, I think the exclusionary nature of being a veterinary technician, yeah. I have said on here, Count, gosh, if I only had a nickel for every time I said, <laughs> well, inflation, if I had a dollar for every time I said, the AVMA does not allow veterinary technician membership. And to me, that means they're titled wrong. Most, only 17 of the states allow technicians to be part of their state VMA. Again, I think you're titled wrong. Yeah. The Animal Hospital Association, American Animal Hospital Association does not currently have a technician on their board. Um, I think that that's something they might be looking at. Um, But a lot of times what you'll find is that these boards are made up of one technician tops, and a lot of times they don't have voting rights. So at that point, I guess maybe you just have you a a, a cute little stand in, (laughs) a little token tech. A little token tech, right. A little token tech on your board who is real cute to look at, but doesn't actually contribute. And this is the kind of thing that makes my side of the profession like, you know, throw your hands up and say, forget it. What's it, what does it matter? Cause we are not looked at respected or equal when we are doing a lot of the work, a lot of, we, we have an immense amount of knowledge and a lot of times in specialized areas more than the veterinarian we're working with. And, and viewfinders, this is really bears repeating because it's, it's essential to understand this. The American Veterinary Medical Association, the state veterinary medical boards, what Becky is saying here is they are mistitled. Like if you were going to say, I represent the American Veterinary Medical, the, 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 all of the veterinary medical 
industry profession, then veterinary technicians are an essential element of that. And yet they have no membership rights even. So this is where it gets very, very frustrating for a vet tech. More importantly, as we expand and leverage and grow our our profession, if you will, we're going to have to bring them on board in more, I think, in, in more more meaningful fashion. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm trying to say we need to not only leverage you because I don't like that term always, Becky, but what I'm saying is utilize you more. And right now include just include. include and you're handcuffed by these old practice acts. So getting back to the question, Becky, that's where it gets frustrating to me to to talk about vet techs because you're going you know, there's so much more you could do, but right now you can't. So if you're going to be a vet tech today, just how about get out there and fight, you know, be, be, be willing to put yourself out there and say, we're going to change things for the better. Well, yes, that for sure. And also I think for me, it's like find that unicorn clinic. Cause I know they exist. Yeah, they do yeah. exist. Don't take less than your worth. Go find the clinics that have my veterinarian has four registered techs on staff in Brunswick County, North Carolina. Yeah. Okay. He has at least four registered techs, if not five. I don't know. They're all registered. There's a ton of them there. They stay. They've been there forever. Find that veterinarian. Yeah. Find the one that has all the techs that have been there forever because they're being utilized. They're happy. The culture's good. Of course, what we run into is like, yeah, well, my kids are in school. My husband works here. I, there's one clinic in town. I'm stuck. And the, and that's the worst part. And we know that telehealth and triage and things are coming up and, um, you know, changing the opportunities for veterinary technicians um, and being more inclusive. But at the end of the day, it's like you have to if you want to just understand that you have to fight for this profession, you have to fight to find a good clinic, you have to fight to find your rights. You will not come into this profession, hop on a boat and paddle yourself downstream. <laughs> That's just not how it works. Um, you know, and you're gonna and maybe you don't have to fight. Maybe you don't have to make as much noise as I do. Maybe you don't have to pour, pour, um, president of the AVMA who who just wants to put cute things on Facebook. And I'm like, yeah, well, why don't you include technicians? You know, I'm always out there trolling. So maybe you don't have to do oh, that, no. but I want people to be aware of that. And Hey, if you do feel like fighting a good fight and you're listening, send a letter to the AVMA and your state VMA asking them to please retitle their association to veterinarian association right, right. or include you. Yeah. And again, you find that's just, I, I love how I love Becky's passion and enthusiasm, <laughs> but see what we're just saying is we're trying to make it better. That's all both of us are trying to say now getting back to let's, let me flip it back to, to my side of the ledger here. The, the veterinarian, when I'm asked that question by that young person, whatever age, you know, I, I want to be a vet. What do you think about it? You know, should I be a vet? You know, um, Right now, I do tell them, of course, I, I love my profession. I love my job. I, I think this, I mean, it's just, it's given me a wonderful life, you know, and I have a wonderful family and I've just had wonderful experiences. So I, I definitely see the, the positives and I want to share that with the world. Having said that, I also try to set them up realistically saying, look, our profession is changing rapidly, just like yours, Becky. Our profession is changing rapidly. I came into an era where practice ownership was really my ultimate goal. And I would argue probably, you know, a third or half of my class, that was their ultimate goal. Today, it's much less, okay? Uh, and I think they're abundant, abundant opportunities, but, you know, it's just a difference in priorities and, and emphasis and so forth. And, and that's not right or wrong. It's just different. It just is. And so I would say, you know, if you are thinking about being a veterinarian, you want to make sure that you, you know, understand there are opportunities to own a practice, but you're probably going to start out at least for a 
some time working in a larger clinic, you know, because obviously, you know, clinics have gone, we've had consolidation and corporatization and so forth. So you may find yourself working in those environments. Is that also appealing to you? Because, you know, again, the James Harriet legacy that I inherited, that was a romantic vision. You know, that what didn't yeah. exist, you know, but yet that's, those are the books that I read growing up. Oh, this is what a vet's like. And then I go, you know, as 15, 14 year old kid working in a vet clinic, I was like, this is not James Harriet. This is yeah. hard work, you know? Yeah. Wow. People are mean sometimes. Um, all that kind of stuff. So I tell them, look, there are real challenges. The earning potential is, you know, not going to just continue to skyrocket. I know right now we've seen some definite gains and I'm grateful for that, Becky. But, you know, this doesn't sustain, this doesn't go on forever. You know, vets aren't going to, I do not foresee a time in 2021 dollars where all vets are going to be making a quarter million dollars. I, I just don't see it. Yeah, I just, I, I don't see how the economics add up for that. I wish they would, but I just don't see it. So we've got to have realistic economic expectations, which then leads me right back into the student debt because I want to make sure these students understand that, hey, you know, you've got to be careful with how much debt you bring on because your earning potential, there is a limit to it in many instances. And how are you going to be able to handle that? And you know what, Becky, no student that I've ever met, and I would argue even myself, uh, understands the emotional toll that student debt will take on you, right? I mean, this is something, a burden that you will carry for decades and it will weigh on you. So, you know, you've got to be really careful. I um, recently was um, approached by a veterinarian, Becky, and I know you heard these stories. And so she didn't get in after four years. So she does the classic move of I'll get a master's and apply the next year. She gets her mm -hmm. master's degrees, doesn't get in, right? So then she starts to take another year where she just is kind of working and doing stuff. So she takes another year off, applies to a uh, an out-of-the-country school. We'll, we will, won't name it. Uh, it's nice and warm and tropical. And so she winds <laughs> up getting into one of those schools. Now she's like, what, this is six six or seven years. She goes down there. She graduates with over $300,000 in debt. She's four years out, or this will be her fifth year. Absolutely toast. She is not liking her job whatsoever. And this, so she was asking me like, what can I do? You know, how can I be an entrepreneur and all that stuff? And I'm like, okay. Um, but here's really what I took away from that, Becky, was that she didn't quite understand the demands of the profession, that she took on this tremendous debt load that now really affects her quality of life. And, and she's desperate. She would like to get out of this profession, but she's so burdened with debt that she's like, I don't know what to do, right? I mean, I've, I've got to, you know, like, because honestly, I was thinking, is there another profession that you might enjoy more than this, you know? So it's a, that why is really important and understanding the economic limitations. And Becky, that's where I'd like to spin it to you because, I mean, if anybody has been crippled by compensation, or lack of compensation, it's vet techs. So I think that is, from our perspective, it's not, so I, I guess like when I think about this, I think debt while crippling and stressful and mentally exhausting does sort of feel like at some point you can break out of it. There is probably something you, you know, you're paying yeah, toward yeah. it. Yep. For technicians, it's just simply we can't make ends meet. We're not right. getting paid a respectable wage. We did not impose, we didn't go and pursue debt. Right. That's a really <laughs> we, good point. Not to, not to say that some technicians don't. Okay. Like I understand that school loans happen and there are private tech colleges and some students do come out with twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 worth of debt, but, but we're not talking six figures worth of debt or even spending. Okay. 
So I think for the majority, right, not all, but the majority of technicians, there is no end in sight. It's like, I guess I have to find another job. I guess I have to make more hours in the day. I guess I have to drive Uber. Like they're just trying to find a way to to make ends meet without um, any end in sight. And that I think is the hard part. I think for veterinarians, it's like, oh, I'm going to have to live uh, under my, you know, under my means and kind of more meagerly to pay this off. And I wish I didn't have this debt over me. Like when you're doing that extra work as a veterinarian and you're putting it towards your debt, you're getting rid of it. Technicians are doing this extra work trying to keep their lights on. Yeah, I I really think that's an important distinction, Becky. I'm glad you brought that up because you're right. I mean, there is a pathway of hope for vets that go, hey, I'm going to make more every year, right? I'm going to be able to earn more, produce more, do more, and I can pay down this debt and one day it will be lifted from me. Whereas a vet tech often is saying, I'm making $17 an hour. How much am I going to make next year? Seventeen twenty-five. Yeah. What about the year after that? Maybe seventeen fifty. You know, I mean, it's yeah. like a slow, painful crawl, and you're never financially solvent. You know, mm-hmm. and then of course, then vets can can be owners, partners, things like that. Whereas there are many states. Becky, where where vet techs and other support staff can't even have equity in a practice. You know, it's like it's very, very limiting, I guess, as part mm-hmm. of this. And and look, I'm I'm gonna be the first to say some of these rules and regulations are good, but some of them are holding back progress. And we really just need to sit back and and say, let's revisit this. And are we actually benefiting pet parents? our pet patients, our profession, or are we monopolizing certain aspects of the profession just to sort of fight and hold on to that last little vestige of control, you know, and, and, and really at the expense of the entire profession. That's what I worry about. That's, that's what I actually think is happening. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you know, I think that's exactly right. I think there is a uh, fear. I think it's frustrating that the people who make these decisions uh, on what we're going to be allowed to do or not do are the ones that stand to quote unquote lose. And so therefore can manipulate the laws. And that's, I think from a technician standpoint, it's, it's just when, when we talk about, are you going to get in this field? You just have to be really honest about what it looks like to be a technician and the road ahead. And it's a wonderful road. It's a wonderful journey. Most of us love our jobs very much. And, and we do love medicine and animals and caring for them. It is just not something you can come into with thin skin and um, you are going to have to be really realistic about what that looks like. And I think that's for everybody in vet med one way or another. You know, there's the we play with puppies and kittens. Um, right. You know, it's really fun to work with animals. It's all la-di-da. And then, like you said, the reality is it's poop and pee and horrible smells and, um, you know, a lot of stress. And so... It's, I think, being really transparent about our profession. And I think this all goes out there. You know, it all stems into the inclusion. It all stems into educating. It all stems into getting into high schools and educating about the different professions and what they look like. Because what what we really know, especially from the technician side, is there's just not enough of us. And so as we build those numbers, we'll be able to build our profession. Yeah, I love that. So viewfinders, I mean, how do you answer that question? You know, I certainly end up saying if that person has a good why, they've gone out there and sought experiences, they seem to be genuinely passionate about this profession, I am going to be their 
biggest supporter. I'm going to do whatever I can to propel them forward in their chosen path. Viewfinders, what do you do? What do you? How do you answer that question? And Becky, before we wrap up today, I mean, what would you say your final answer is? Then absolutely do it. It's a wonderful profession. It sounds like you have done your research. I can't wait to have you as a colleague, and I can't wait to have you as a companion in advocating for our profession. Oh, I love that. I love that. And again, I give a very similar answer. You know, it's like, hey, you know what? You're exactly what this profession needs. I think you're going to find a career that is so fulfilling and rewarding. You will find personal and professional meaning. You will be challenged in ways you can't imagine, but yet you will be rewarded and just infinite ways. And so, you know, I, I'm like you. I, I think for the people that it's the right fit for, it doesn't get any better. For the people that are still trying to force their way in, and, you know, it can be a really frustrating road. So, I, you know, no right or wrong answer. Just would love to hear what you have to say about it. We packed a lot in here today, Becky. We talked about a lot of different uh, issues, and I think some of them will be sort of magnifying later. But if there's something today that we discussed, Viewfinders, that you would like for us to dig a little deeper in, let us know. We really want to hear from you. That's right. You can find us on Facebook at Veterinary Viewfinder, on Instagram, and head on over to iTunes if you've got a second. Leave us five stars. And just a little quick note, uh, I've been looking at them lately. A couple of you guys have done that for us. And I really cannot tell you how much that makes our day and also helps to get these conversations out to more of our colleagues. That's right. Until next time, can't wait to talk to you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.